If you actually believe things deeply, and if you take your belief seriously, it can lead to a large variety of practical consequences, which can have you know, life or death implications for a lot of people. Welcome to the In Doubt Podcast. Hey, welcome to the In Doubt Podcast show. My name is Isaac, and I'm here in the studio with Sean. Hey. Hey, uh, Witzke is German, right? Yeah. How do you actually say it? Witzke. Witzke? If you're like with a German accent. Yeah. Okay. Witzke. Yeah, that's cool. Sean Witzke. Sean Witzke. He, um, he's been on the podcast uh, a couple of times now. And what we're actually starting to do is we've kind of got a guest cast, which will be sort of having uh, regular people on like once a month. So you'll be able to get to actually know who Sean is a little bit. And we'll just kind of chat a little bit before and after sort of the uh, the guest interviews. So I'm glad you you are here with us. You have good things to say. Sean, actually, he's a, he's a, almost a jack of all trades a little bit just because he's a smart guy and he has good things to say, but he also is sort of like knows all about coding and all those different like online things. Mm, so, code. Code. So he he actually, um, and music and recording and all those different things. Um, so if you ever go to indout.ca, which you should, he's the kind of mastermind behind all of that. Yeah, indout.ca, you should check it out. Um, we got all of our articles on there, our videos. Um, you can actually contact us if you got any questions or like suggestions or stuff like that. Um, yeah, you should check it out. So um, we're actually starting a new series and uh, now called What Do I Say? And it's a series that kind of talks about or at least introduces the uh, idea of how to engage non-Christians in our culture today. Um, I don't know about you, but like I find that most of my non-Christian friends would probably be uh, agnostic. I don't know if that's uh, – they wouldn't call themselves that probably – but I think they sort of are open, but they sort of live as sort of maybe naturalists. I don't know. But yeah, what. I would say I have a few friends who they wouldn't identify as atheism or any sort of kind of movement, but they would be prone to, I would say, kind of apathy towards mm-hmm. discussing like, yeah. spiritual things. Totally. Yeah. Same thing with me. It's like they just don't, they don't really care. Yeah, I would say they're they're probably not at a point where it just seems like a big enough deal in their life for it to take up any yeah. kind of of their thought or mental space. Well, for this for this series, I'm, I'm really happy. Uh, we have um, an associate from Apologetics Canada. His name is Steve Kim, and I got to chat with him uh, about worldviews because it kind of starts there. It starts with someone's worldview. Uh, so we'll be getting into that, and then after that, uh, we'll wrap it up. All right, so here's a conversation with uh, Steve Kim. I'm in the studio today with Steve Kim. Steve works at Apologetics Canada as the uh, associate, right? Yeah, uh, associate. I know that's not a very descriptive yeah. <laughs> uh, title, but all that it means is that I'm Andy's uh, Andy's bond servant. Andy's that's, bond servant. That's how I describe myself. Gotcha. So. <laughs> and uh, Andy is uh, Andy Steiger, for those who right. don't know, who's the director. Director, yeah. So he's the head honcho. That's awesome. What's a quick kind of self-bio for those who, who don't know you? Me? Um, well, here's my brief life story. I was born and raised in South Korea, and uh, at the age of about 14, my family moved to Canada, and uh, yeah, I've been here since. I went to Columbia Bible College here in town in Abbotsford, did my uh, diploma in worship arts, uh, and then moved on to do my Bachelor of Arts in Biblical Studies, teaching emphasis. And then for a while there, I, I wanted to 
be a Bible translator with Wycliffe, so I actually went on to act seminaries at Trinity Western University um, in Langley, and I was enrolled in their Master of Linguistics and Exegesis program. It's a two-year program that basically turns you into a Bible translator, and I did my one year, my first year there. I met a gal, got married, and the whole plan went out the window. Um, Usually happens, doesn't it? Yeah, I, we took our first year off of church commitments. I mean, we attended our Sunday services, but like ministry commitments and, and school and things like that. So we took a year off, and it was during that year that I really started rethinking what it was that I w- was really passionate about. Sure. After much deliberation, I came to the conclusion that, yeah, I really want to get involved in apologetics. Mm. Because in my early 20s, I had actually walked away from my faith. I, I was hanging out a lot with my high school friends, most of whom were non-Christian. They all had some kind of a church background. But by the time I knew them, they had all walked away, almost all of them. And some of them were quite hostile towards it. They weren't hostile towards me necessarily, but about the church, they Mm. were very hostile. But these were my friends, and these were the guys and gals that I always hung out with. See, here's, here's something that a lot of listeners might be able to kind of resonate with, and it's that when... We're hanging out with our non-Christian friends when when they want to make a comment about Christianity. Often it'll happen within earshot, but not necessarily addressed to you. And that's what happened with me a lot of the times. They would make a comment about, oh, you know, the Bible being a translation of a translation of a translation kind of a thing. But that was never addressed to me, but that comment was made within my earshot without even eye contact or anything like that. So yeah, made it really difficult to engage with them. So... What ended up happening was uh, I, I just had to hear it yeah. over and over again. Right. And then after a while, uh, yeah, lies told to you enough times will start sounding really convincing to you. And you, you, were you uh, kind of coming back at those comments or did you just sort of stay silent? Uh, for one, I didn't even know how to come back at mm-hmm. it. Uh, and so I was unequipped and that was part of the problem. And... When I did try to engage them, it was it was a little bit awkward. It just made me sound like the really defensive guy, right? Mm-hmm. The, the the guy that has to chase after every comment that's made to correct it to to defend his faith, which I thought was a bit of a, a an unfair setup yeah. because it was my friends that were making these comments. But uh, the long and the short of it, I eventually started to get convinced that their stories were true, their comments were true, and I eventually walked away from my faith and remained an atheist for a number of months before I actually came back to the faith. And So in that whole episode, I started getting acquainted a little bit with apologetics. I mean, I started talking to people, and a number of years later, somebody that I knew from church recommended Lee Strobel's The Case for mm-hmm. Christ, and that was my first real uh, start at apologetics, right. uh, actually looking into it, studying into it, and one thing led to another. So by the time I went to Columbia Bible College, I, I was really interested in apologetics already. Yeah. And by the time I got married and we were taking the first year off, I, I thought to myself, you know, I, I would really like to help other people deal with these questions because if I went through it, somebody else is okay. for sure. And so... Um, Eventually, I uh, started, actually, right around this time, too, I started hearing about Apologetics Canada for the first time. Okay. And uh, I attended the second 
conference in Surrey, and that's where I met Andy. I didn't really get to talk to him much, but he was hosting the Thinking Series afterwards, and that's where I got to really talk to him. And eventually he said, why don't you come work with me on the condition that I will go on to do my master's in Christian apologetics, which is what I did. I took my two years. I I did my time at Biola University. Uh, They have a very solid apologetics program. And I did that while I worked here in Abbotsford. The rest is history, as they say. I just finished my degree last December, and now I'm sort of in the the rest mode where I'm not really reading much of anything. You're just sort of, yeah. Yeah, I'm like, I'm taking four months off of reading or anything like that, just, but it all starts again in, in May. Yeah, no, that's good. Your story is neat. You know, you went to the other side. So you kind of got the sort of understanding of an atheist almost, right? You're sort of... Now, I was going to ask, did you kind of make that public to those Christian friends um, and family maybe? Yes and no. I, I let some of my friends know, okay. but it wasn't like I was going out just kind of advertising. Okay. I, I'm not terribly close to my family, and they didn't really care whether I was atheist or not. They right. probably would have thought that was a little bit odd, but they didn't really care yeah. in the end. So... I, it wasn't like I was being ostracized socially right. okay. or anything like that. Oh, that's good. Um, so we're in a two-week series called What Do I Say? It's a series that kind of just introduces the the question and topic of kind of how to engage non-believers. That's very broad. It's huge. I know that. It's just So that's why we're just going to introduce it. Um, specifically, what do we say? What do we talk about? You know, say you have a, an agnostic friend or a skeptic or maybe just an atheist who they just say they're an atheist. Those kind of people. How do we engage them? I thought it'd be best to kind of start off with just determining what exactly a worldview is. So what is, what is a worldview? A worldview is a system of beliefs that you have about the world. It is a way, well, that you view the world. A simpler way of putting it would be a take on ultimate reality. Okay. What do you think this world is actually like? That That is your worldview. And so uh, things like atheism, for example, views like atheism says there is no God. That's a way in which atheists make sense of this world. That's what they believe about this world. That's their take on reality. Uh, Just as Christians will say, well, Jesus is the son of God and he did die and rise from the dead and and that through him we can be one with, you know, we can be restored to the Godhead, the Trinity again. Uh, That's another way of looking at it. And Buddhists, likewise, they have this idea that this world is really an illusion, uh, really behind the veil there is nothing, depending on which stream of Buddhism right. you go into. So these sets of beliefs, what you believe about ultimate reality, mm-hmm. so if that's your worldview, mm-hmm. then how you live your life, I mean, these beliefs are going to affect what you do, or it should at least. That's correct, because sometimes people believe one thing, but then they live as though that's not true. The way you look at the world is basically the way you look at, well, not just the world in the sense of our universe, but this world in the broader sense will include God and anything outside of our universe, if there is anything. So our views about God, our views about the world, our views about ourselves, all of these things will have an impact on your actions. So, for example, uh, I know this is not a very popular view among my atheist friends, but Dr. Richard Weikart from Cal State University uh, Stanislav, 
he wrote a book called From Darwin to Hitler. And what he was arguing was that the Darwinian view of the world had a direct impact on what Hitler did. So his, his views on race, right, and the superiority of the Aryan race, the Ubermensch, sort of the superhuman that he was trying to create by uh, manipulating our gene pools, that sort of a thing. Uh, a lot of his views seem to have this connection to Darwinism. Now, that is not to say, though, that if you're a Darwinist, if you, if you believe in Darwinism, that you're automatically like Hitler. Obviously not. We're not saying that. But while Darwinism may not be what philosophers call a sufficient condition for, say, something like the Holocaust, uh, I would argue that it's a necessary condition. So all that is to say what you believe about the world absolutely will have an impact. As Christians, we believe that, well, I guess Jews and Christians, we believe that people are made in the image of God, which means that each person is infinitely more valuable than the whole universe combined, the material universe combined. So that obviously is going to have an impact on how you treat people, or at least it should have an impact on how you treat people, how you view certain even political issues like abortion or euthanasia, things that have to do with the, the living and the dying of the person. Yes, it will impact uh, these things. Definitely. So if, if we look at the Christian worldview, and you said worldview usually has to do with God or the supernatural, the world, and people. So if we look at the Christian worldview, you just kind of explained the Christian worldview would say that people are made in the image of God. What about what about the world and what about God? Right. We would say contrary to, for example, uh, some of the Eastern philosophies, we would argue that the world is not eternal that the world is a contingent reality, meaning it depends on the creative act of something else, namely God, and that God and the world are completely separate. We're not the same in essence, which is what some Buddhists and Hindus, for example, would believe, because they're pantheistic worldviews, meaning all is God. Whereas Christians would believe that, no, God is, well, God, and then he created the world, and yeah. the world is not God. It's, it's very much a separate thing. And yeah, he, he created human beings, but he created them in a very special way. For example, if you look at the, the Genesis creation account, you see that whereas everything else he simply creates by fiat, like by uh, his act of speaking, for example, you know, let there be, and there were all these animals and, and birds, uh, fish, that sort of a thing. But with human beings, he takes special care. He actually... Um, molds this earth, he, yeah. he kind of pulls the dirt together and then he breathes into it. There, So sort of imparting uh, his spirit, so to, so to speak. Uh, I'm not sure if that's a very heretical thing to say, but uh, no, no. so to speak, you know, yeah. it, it, he kind of gives us a little bit of himself, mm -hmm. like, which we would call the image of God, right? right. So um, th those would be some of what Christians believe. Uh, of course, a, a central component in the Christian worldview would be our view of sin and salvation and how we, quote-unquote, attain salvation. Exactly. Uh, of course, we're, we, we don't believe that. We work towards it, but Christ has done all of the work for us. Um, and, and so the person of Christ is very much central to the Christian worldview. Yeah, well, that's good. As you're talking, I'm just thinking about how I think of myself that I, I would say that I hold to a Christian worldview, right? So I open the Bible, I read it, and I, I kind of understand 
um, how I'm supposed to view and worship God, the triune God. I'm, I know what the gospel is and how the world is broken and needs to be saved and be redeemed by Jesus. And I see people, my respect for them now, obviously I'm broken and I'm not going right. to be able to fulfill all those things all the time. So sometimes my actions are contrary to my beliefs. But then, right. I, but then I think of my, my friend who I would say he's an agnostic. He doesn't really care to think about any of this stuff. So he wouldn't actually say, this is the worldview I hold to, but we can kind of look at his actions and sort of bring them backwards and find out what his worldview is. Yeah, I find that a lot of agnostics, I I have a number of agnostic friends, and I find that a lot of my agnostic friends are de facto atheists Mm -hmm. in the way they look at the world. They share a lot of the same common grounds. But uh, one thing where they kind of differ on is, whereas atheists will say, well, I don't believe that God exists. Uh, Agnostics will say, well, it's possible that God exists. I don't know. That's what agnosticism means. It just just means that you don't know. Uh, You could be agnostic about many other things, but in this case, with respect to the existence of God, they'll say, I don't know. Whereas atheists, they'll say, no, God doesn't exist. They make more of a positive affirmation. Although that trend is getting reversed a little bit. But yeah, a lot of agnostics, they they live as though they are atheists in effect. Right, even though they might not say that they are atheists, they're living that way. Why is it important for Christians to consider their worldview? A lot of Christians, they don't actually think, okay, this is is my set of beliefs and this is how I'm going to live these out. And, And why is it important for them to know theirs, but also to consider the worldview of other people as well? Well, um... For one, eternity is at stake, right? If you really think that, yes, God exists and that human beings are at least post-fall, right? By nature, we're sinful and that we actually deserve eternal damnation. But the good news is that Christ has done all of the work and by placing our trust in him and what he has done for us, we can actually be with God. Again, the way we were meant to be right from the start, God's original intention for us, which is to be with him. We can actually have that back, and that's going to be for all eternity. Obviously, it's it's very important whether you are immortal or whether this world is all there is, and that once you die, you're just eaten by worms and that's it, which is what atheism would logically lead you to. More specifically, atheistic naturalism will get you there, right? So Obviously, your worldview has huge implications. And again, like we said earlier, that's going to determine in large part how you're going to live your life if you actually take your beliefs seriously. If you actually believe, for example, as these militant Muslims would do, if you actually believe that Allah is commanding you to kill the infidels, then yeah, that will lead them to you know, the bombing of Brussels and things like that. I'm not saying that all Muslims are like that. I know lots of Muslims who are very peaceful people. But again, all that is showing is that if you actually believe things deeply, and if you take your belief seriously, it can lead to all kinds of very, a large variety of practical consequences, uh, which can have, you know, life or death implications for a lot of people. The second reason, I guess, is because, especially in a country like Canada and the United States or any Western world, really, um, you're coming across a lot of different people. I mean, you just walk down downtown Vancouver, you know, in just a couple blocks, easily you'll hear three, four different languages spoken. And typically with different languages come different culture 
right? Different cultures, and with different cultures come different worldviews. Especially in a place like Vancouver, you'll see all kinds of worldviews, anything from Christianity, Judaism, Islam, to Buddhists, Hindus, Hare Krishna, or you might come across Mormons, Scientology. There is actually the Church of Scientology building right in downtown. Yeah, and, yeah. and so we're living in a very much a, a pluralistic world. And it's just not enough to just know your own worldview. Now you have to sort of start to understand where everybody else is coming from. And that's going to help you to have an intelligent conversation about the things that really matter to them. And that's going to open a lot of doors, I think, in terms of evangelism, as well as strengthening your own faith. Because uh, if you kind of grew up in a Christian environment like I have, Chances are when you go on to, you know, high school or college or university, especially in in college and university, you'll come across all kinds of worldviews. And you might find that your views are even getting attacked by people. We're living in a pluralistic world. I don't think it's an option anymore to at least have some rudimentary understanding of what other people believe. Well, that's good. Well, thank you so much, uh, Steve, and I look forward to talking with you next week as well. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for having me. That was Steve Kim, who's an associate from Apologetics Canada. That uh, was good. Yeah, it was really good. Yeah, uh, it's it's cool. Like he he talks about you know a worldview being someone's sort of take on ultimate reality. And he sort of breaks it down into the three things, as we just heard, like you have your thoughts about God, whether that you have thoughts about God or not, that's one aspect. And then about the world, but then also about people, who people are. Um, so that's kind of like what, you know, what you deem, I guess, these three things, whether they're existent, non-existent, what kind of characters, um, origin of all these three things sort of bases your, your worldview. You said uh, people, and when you said that, I was thinking how... Uh, right now in culture, we're going through so many different things of yeah. where we're really hammering and defining out like what a person is. Right. You know, we're going through like abortion talks, we're going through transgenderisms mm-hmm. and, and just we're talking about like what does it mean to have identity as a person and what is a person, even mm-hmm. like the talk of euthanasia and like who can give life and take life and stuff yeah. like that. And that's crazy because that's kind of what I talk about with my friends when we start talking about worldview. It's yeah. not it's not usually God that we start well, talking about first. And as you were saying that, maybe 200 years ago, 300 years ago, it would have been more about God. Yep. But now it's like totally about like, and then even let's say 100 years ago, people are talking about the world and that's still like evolution, all those different things. We still talk about that. But right now, like the popular sort of aspect of worldview is, is the person yep. rather than like, you know, Richard Dawkins on evolution or or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's kind of interesting how our culture will sort of, the trendy aspects of what worldviews are kind of come up. Yep. And I think not that we don't talk about like God or or the world or evolution or anything like that, but more so that just the instigator mm-hmm. in how we get into those conversations, mm-hmm. I think has changed a lot to talking about people and our identity. And that's just kind of what people are going through right now. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. That's good. And I think it's important for us to consider, like we were saying in just within a conversation, that we have to consider what our worldviews are yep. and sort of be solidified in that and understand that other people are going to have obviously different worldviews. Even if someone else says they're Christian, their idea and attitude towards God, the world and people could be drastically different. So I think it's really important for us 
to be critical thinkers when it comes to people's worldviews, to not just say that all, let's say, you know, Muslims have the same worldview, because there are tons of Muslims with completely different worldviews from each other, just the same with Christians. So I think it's important that we understand and consider what ours is, but also take time to actually critically think about others um, mm-hmm. as well. So the friends you have and everything like that, consider like what is, what is their worldview? And uh, it's going to help, I think, just with conversation, you know? Yeah, I mean, like, if you don't take the time to actually try and understand another person's worldview, I mean, what kind of friend really are you? Right. And are you going to be somebody who's just going to walk around and just going to be kind of talking about your worldview and just, like, trying to convince other people? Or are you going to be somebody who's actually going to be growing and learning and thinking about these kinds of things too, right? Because almost I could guarantee that, like, not everyone's worldview because we are a result of our circumstances. Yeah. Um, not everyone's worldview is going to be perfect anyways. No, exactly. That's right. Hey, so uh, next week, Steve Kim will actually come back on the show and he's going to be uh, talking a little bit more about how like practical tips on um, engaging some of the most prominent sort of worldviews. So uh, relativism, atheism, and agnosticism. I'm really excited about that. But until then, that's the show. That was the end of podcast show. Uh, we're well into May now, which means that a third of the year is finished already, which is crazy. It's exciting. It is very exciting. Anyways, uh, my name is Isaac and this is Sean. Hey. And if you want to get to uh, connect with us more, check out indo.ca, follow us on Facebook, on Instagram, on Twitter. We want to talk with you. So if you have anything to share with us, any critiques, whatever, uh, talk to us. We'd love that. But until then, this is the Indo Podcast. The In Doubt Podcast is a part of Back to the Bible Canada's Young Adult Ministry, In Doubt. All of Back to the Bible Canada's ministry programs and resources are created for the purpose of leading people forward in their walk with Jesus every day. For more information on all things Back to the Bible Canada, visit backtothebible.ca.